Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. We're going to go right now to another report. It's a completely different topic. We're going to go to the international scene, and we've got some actually good news coming. I'm not going to steal the thunder of my guest. I'm so thankful he's on. Leo Holman came on with us. He came on with us, uh, my goodness, what was it, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, maybe maybe longer, along with Congresswoman Michelle Bachman. I know what she's done. She gave her life to fighting a cause for the last month or so. She was everywhere, and I suspect Leo Holman was as well. And Leo, you've got some good news for us, and we're, man, we're needing some good news on the international scene. Leo Holman, the columnist who helped trigger us, our awareness on this issue, uh, talk to us. Leo, are you there? Did we lose you? Leo needs to unmute. Okay, Leo, can you unmute right now? There we go. That always helps. <laughs> okay, thank you, Jim, for that introduction. Let's just uh, move right to it. We did have some very good news at the World Health Assembly in Geneva, which was held last week. It finished up on Saturday, and we were really just holding our breath the entire time thinking uh, that we might have good news on our hands, but we didn't want to you know, get too overconfident until they actually put the gavel down and adjourned that meeting on Saturday. And lo and behold, I cannot thank you all enough for the prayer because I really think that it was the intercession of, of prayer warriors like yourselves that made the difference. They simply could not get a consensus of the 194 member nations of the World Health Organization who were gathered in Geneva to pass these amendments that were submitted by the Biden administration, which were going to transfer sovereignty from nations to the United Nations World Health Organization in matters of health emergencies. Okay, and uh, they, they, all they needed was a simple majority of the 194 nations gathered at that assembly and they could not get it. Apparently, Iran, Malaysia, Brazil, and a group of African nations refused to sign on to this uh, sovereignty-killing deal that the Biden administration had cooked up and tried to sneak in under the cover of night. But the conservative media, Michelle Bachman, as you uh, mentioned, and several others of us really got the word out but in the end, I have to think that it wasn't so much the activism that those articles and those radio interviews and those podcasts that we all did that made the big difference as much as it was you all in your prayer closets uh, petitioning the throne of God because we were all praying, I think, that the, the, you know, the, the, the amendments would be withdrawn, that the Biden administration would see some have some sense talked into it. None of that happened. The Biden administration is in favor of these amendments today as much as they were when they were first drawn up in January of this year. The only thing that, that made the difference, like I said, was this group of nations that refused to sign on. Now, we're not, while we dodged a bullet, the immediate bullet, we're definitely not out of the woods because the Biden administration still wants to get these reforms, as they call them, to strengthen the WHO. 
Uh, they still want to get them implemented. They may have to take a different tact, however. They have assigned this issue, the WHO, it was on their agenda, and what they did at the meeting last week was they created a new working group within the United Nations system to take on this project. They're probably going to be working day and night over the next several months to try to address whatever concerns this group of nations has uh, and try to get them to submit. Um, China, Russia, of course, are not concerned about these these amendments because they're not going to abide by them anyway. They control the United Nations, especially China does. Uh, and so it is fully on board with this strengthening, reforming, uh, really, in my opinion, what this is, is a major power play by the globalists to create a one world government. They decided that they were going to use the WHO and they decided that they were gonna use the, uh, the pretext of quote, health emergencies to sneak in a power grab for this world organization and that they would super, and that once they have it in place, it would supersede national sovereignty. Now, if that doesn't sound like something out of the book of Revelation, I don't know what does, uh, but apparently it is not the Lord's timing just quite yet. Uh, we dodged a bullet, but like I said, they're going to come back at us probably in the fall with this working group coming forth with a new recommendation on how to do exactly the same thing, maybe with a little different means. We also have what's known as the pandemic treaty out there. And it looks like uh, they may try to expedite that. That was going to be two years out. They were hoping to get that in place in 2024. But there's some talk now that since they were, since they failed to get these amendments to the existing uh, international health regulations, which was going to serve as a stopgap until they could get to the new treaty, there's some talk now that they might just expedite the treaty and put that one year out instead of two years out. See what I'm saying? Um, and so that's another thing that uh, we need to be in prayer about. But uh, thanks for everything you all did. Uh, Michelle Bachman uh, tied me into your group, and I'm appreciative for that. Uh, also, James Rogoski, if you want to follow this issue, he has a web a website called stopthewho.com, stopthewho.com, and he is going to continue to follow this issue uh, like a, uh, you know, like a dog on a on a mission in a hunting expedition. He is not going to give it up. I have to cover other issues. This is not the only thing I cover. If you'll go to my website, you'll see that, uh, leohoman.com. But James is 100% uh, uh, following this one issue. So I would suggest that you write that down and follow it there, stopthewho.com. And uh, I'll be happy to answer any questions you might have on this issue uh, now. Well, that was that was thorough. I want to compliment you. You were the one that triggered all of us from like you're the one. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. And one other thing, I talked to Jim before uh, this evening on the phone when he invited me to come on tonight, and I mentioned one thing to him, and he said, "Make sure you tell our prayer warriors that." And sure enough, I forgot to mention it. So I'm going to mention it right now because he said he has a personal, some personal knowledge to this effect. 
it's not coincidental that African nations were against this. The African nations have a very, uh, it's burned into their memory, their history with colonization, where for decades, really hundreds of years, they did not have national sovereignty. They did not have self-determination as, as independent nation states. They were controlled by the great powers of the day, you know, whether it be Spain or Italy or the UK, uh, you know, they, they, they were not in a position to uh, elect their own leaders and have uh, their own governments that, that, that passed laws and policies that benefited their own people. And so uh, the fact that they were able to uh, achieve that, you know, that, that all came about basically after World War I and more so after World War II, they they still remember those days and that history. It's taught to them, and you know, it, it, and it's passed on from the generations. And so that may have been one reason why they were so reticent to jump on board with this WHO uh, superseding the national sovereignty. No, thank you for for sharing that. It's, it's interesting. I'm gonna I will share something about it relates to Africa. But we, we look at Malaysia, which is a heavy Muslim population. We look at Iran, which is. <laughs> the number one supporter of, of terrorism. And, and, and I guess God can choose to use whoever he wants to. Uh, that would not have been who I picked, but apparently God did. Then you look at Brazil, which under the leadership of Yair Bolsonaro is doing remarkable. He mm -hmm. is a wonderful leader. I've had a privilege of meeting with him twice. And he is up for a tough re-election in October. We need to really be praying for Brazil. There is That, that country could be swept into socialism and become Venezuela very quick. Uh, this critical what is happening in Brazil right now. Then we go to Africa, which Leo just referred to. <clears throat> I, want you, I want you to show how God has used the Africans in, in, in such profound ways to stop this and other things. And I'll give you a little bit of background. My wife and I were at a conference in Paris, France, several years ago during the Obama administration. I've shared this before on Warfare Network, so bear with me if you've already heard this. <clears throat> and we were there in this conference in Paris, and the African delegate, it was on marriage, conference on marriage defending marriage globally. And the African delegates said, you Americans, uh, and we were again during the Obama administration, you Americans are colonizing us again. You've done it once, you're, now you're sexually colonizing us. And I said, what, what do you mean sexually colonizing? I said, you are forcing, your State Department is coercing and forcing us to embrace homosexuality and so-called same-sex marriage. And, and you're coercing that. Now, even under Trump administration, Trump, you, you can't fire people from the State Department. There's a lot of wicked people in the state. There's some good ones, but a lot of wicked people in the State Department. So consequently, the State Department continued to do that. And, and even uh, under Obama, he told his religious liberty uh, ambassador at large, the number one religion you are to defend for liberty is LBGTQ. I'm not making this up. I talked personally with that ambassador. Uh, during during that time, could name the individual. I, I'll refrain from it at this point. So the Africans have stood and paid a dear price. They've had they've had uh, funds pulled away from them because they stood for marriage and defending life in the womb. They've had military defense, even old equipment we no longer need as a nation. We could give to them, ship to them, and and the government has refused at various times simply because they won't back down on this. Many of them. Now let me bring it home to to, to our own country. United Methodist Church. We had a, a program on this not too long ago. 
It's in a huge divide. It's in a big major split right now. What has held the United Methodist Church steady on the issue of the definition of marriage is not the U.S. because the U.S. is overrun with people who violate the scripture in the Methodist Church. I did my doctorate on British and American Methodism. I know a little bit about this topic. And I was just at Asbury Seminary, my 50th anniversary, just a few days ago, a week ago. Uh, it's a Methodist institution as well. It's a good godly one. The others are, are, are not. But that one has stayed, stayed independent of the denomination. But the denomination, they've, they've, they've had, I mean, we're talking chaotic upheaval and chaos in the midst of a general conference because the United, the United States Church has tried to vote in same-sex marriage. And it's the African bishops that have held the line so much that the people, in their very meetings, they, they had riots occur because the militant homosexuals started yelling and screaming and pushing and shoving uh, because the Africans held the line. The same thing is true of the Anglican church, the Episcopal church. It finally had to split. Now the Methodist church is now splitting. We owe a lot to the Africans who have helped hold a lot of things steady. When you go to the United Nations, I've had the privilege of speaking once at the United Nations at an event sponsored by 26 nations. And it, uh, many of them were the African nations that are holding us steady uh, during this time. That's what held us steady during this time right now. Didn't mean to go on quite that long on that, but I want you to see how much we owe the African nations during this time. Leo, I'm so appreciative for what you did. Your article really helped us so much. I promoted it everywhere I could and, and did a newsletter just on you and your article and, and your, when we had you on here. And so keep us informed, come back on. Thank you for telling us about Stop the Who, W-H-O, stopthewho.com. And uh, so we'll keep up with it there and then through your future writings. But we are so appreciative uh, on, on you coming on right now. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.